Hi, everyone. We are back uh, with Resourceful Humans. And today I have Claire and Caitlin with me. And we're going to be discussing what it's like to start a new HR role remotely and emerge into um, HR for the first time uh, in a remote world. So first, thank you so much for both of you um, putting aside the time and go ahead and introduce yourselves. Yeah, thanks for having us, Corey. Um, so yeah, my name is Claire Petrie. I live and work in Buffalo, New York. I'm currently Director of Technology Talent Management at Lighthouse Technology Services, and I've been in HR and recruiting world for about eight years here. How about you, Kaylin? My name is Caitlin Howell, and I also live and work in the Buffalo area. I'm currently a recruiting coordinator at Moog, and I've been in the HR world for about two years now um, and recently graduated this past May, which feels a lot more recent than it actually is for some reason, uh, from UB with a Bachelor of Business with a concentration in HR. It's impressive. And you've just started a position for the first time in HR in the middle of a pandemic, right? Yeah, I had some um, internships before, but this is my first big kid role. So it's very interesting to be starting it in the middle of a pandemic. I'm really interested to hear how your opinions and experiences um, differentiate from each other, because like, I know Claire's been in HR for many years, but she just started a new job remotely in the middle of a pandemic. And you're starting for the very first time ever in a big kid role in the middle of a pandemic. So why don't you, um, Killen, why don't you walk us through what it was like to start your you know, first job in HR remotely? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, it was definitely different than anything I've done before. Uh, you know, in previous roles, the obvious, you get to go in, you get to meet everyone, but it was really different this time having it be mainly remote. I did get to go in, um, you know, pick up my stuff and go through orientation, but, you know, meeting the team and meeting everyone that I'm working with, having to do so, via video interviews and Skype chats and things like that. It's been, it's been tough, but it's shockingly a little bit easier than I thought it would be. I think uh, communication's really key. And, you know, just going out of your way to reach out to everyone and say, hi, I'm new, <laughs> nice to meet you. Um, it's definitely different doing it online, but you know, I've, I've adapted well, I think. That's great. So now Claire, let's hear how your experience went because You've been in HR, you just started a new job in HR remotely. Yeah, absolutely. So the prior um, company I was with, I joined in July of 2019. So I luckily had quite a bit of time before we were sent home for the rest of 2020. Um, so adjusting to working from home in itself was um, a little bit of a challenge, but luckily, you know, we'd already seen most of those people in person. So um, when I started my new role at Lighthouse about a month ago, uh, same thing as Caitlin, I went in, I got to go in my first few days, actually, so to pick up my computer, do my I-9, all of that, um, get a little tour of the building, and meet a couple of other colleagues that were um, masked up and social distancing as well. Um, the building that I work in, you have to get um, like a badge process also, so we got that done as well. Um but yeah, I've pretty much been from home the last few weeks, like since that first week, and uh, same thing as Caitlin. I'm used to like from my my HR perspective, I like to give my new hires, you know, a tour of the building or invite them to that first day or first week lunch. Um, so being kind of on the other side of it where I was like, wow, we can't really offer this right now. And how am I now going to make the most of my own situation kind of being a new hire? Um, so yeah, I had to be really intentional too about reaching out to the rest of the team members that I didn't get a chance to meet in person and introduce myself and just kind of remind everybody as you're doing different things, can you remember to call me and loop me in or share your screen? Cause you can't just like call me and pull me over, I guess, if we were both in the office. So that kind of training and getting up to speed was definitely new for sure. My first time I've done that. So Do you find that that could be something difficult for someone who's starting new for the first time? Because, you know, Claire, you also have had that in-person experience of knowing that that's what it could be and it's not possible to do right now versus someone like Caitlin who hasn't 
doesn't have anything to compare it to. I mean, how do you suggest that young professionals moving into HR during this remote time, you know, make sure that they're getting what they need as far as moving into that role? That's a really good question. And I can't wait to hear, Kaylin, your thoughts on like what you need from us HR mentors getting started in a new role. Um, but yeah, I think just the typical things of just making sure you're kind of checking in extra um, with your, your team. So I'm having to remind myself as an individual to remind my team members and my boss, like what I am like doing and working on. And they seem to be a little bit more intentional about checking in with me as well. Um, but I think building, of course, kind of your online network and your online community can certainly help a lot. So, um, you know, if you're watching this and starting a new role, definitely feel free to connect with any of us if you have questions or need support. But um, that's been a huge piece too uh, for me to starting a new role remotely is um, being able to reach out to my network on LinkedIn or on Twitter or ask questions about how other people have done it as well. It's going to be a little different for, for everyone, I think. But yeah, doing the best you can, I think, just to reach out, making sure other people know who you are, what you're working on, and um, hopefully they'll ex extend kind of some of those same check-ins for you as well. I don't know if that was that helpful, but what do you think, Caitlin? What do you need from us? No, I, I think that's really one of the most crucial parts of starting while you're remote is that communication, because, you know, one thing that I've adjusted to that you kind of touched on before was you know, if I have this question, who do I go to? You know, whereas in the office, you can just walk, you know, three doors down and say, hey, like, you know, I need your advice on this. But, you know, just really reaching out. Um, I'm fortunate to have been involved in an organization that I am now that is very great on communication. You know, within my first week or so, um, there were team-wide shout outs. People were reaching out, you know, let me know if you need anything. Um, and I think that's really important and honestly could be overlooked, you know, because it's scary, you know, you're in a new role, uh, you don't know who to reach out to. So just having at least a few people that, you know, okay, I can go to this person if I have any questions and really making those connections early on in your first few days is definitely important. Yeah, you brought up a good point. I was, I was just thinking about that too, like making sure you at least meet um, you know, you're, you're talk to your boss, hopefully in your first couple of days and maybe a couple other colleagues that you can start building that relationship with so that it feels a little bit more comfortable to reach out. Um, cause that's something I felt a little bit now working remotely as I felt like a, I was like pestering people a little bit more when I reached out. I don't know why it's probably like an internal thing, but it feels different to constantly like send someone a Teams message, then like you said, maybe you might call them, Teams them, walk down the office and see them. Um, and I just felt like it was weird always reaching out to people like virtually. So I think you're right. If you can make some of those really good connections in the first few days, you won't feel as, I don't know, weird about asking them those constant questions because they're a little bit more comfortable with you. Yeah, especially like I said, being my first big kid role and remote. I still live at home, so thankfully I have my parents to run to from time to time because my dad's also working from home. But um, like the Skype and Zoom etiquette of things, like I'll run downstairs and say, hey dad, like this person's in a meeting. Do you think I can message them if it's super important? <laughs> um, but I, I totally relate with you with the, I don't want to say bothering, but I do want to say bothering aspect of things because it feels so impersonal almost instead of just being able to say, you know, knock, knock, hey, I have a question. So that's been definitely something I've adjusted to over time, but it was, it was interesting to kind of learn the ropes of communication while at home at first. Yeah, I, I think that's the hardest part is knowing how to communicate with people you've never even met before as well in both of your situations. Do you, I mean, what are your suggestions for, I know there's gotta be a quite a few young professionals out there that are moving into this new HR role. And, and not everyone feels comfortable just reaching out to someone they've never met or never talked to. What are your suggestions as far as what a business could do or maybe your um, HR director that could, what could they do to help these new, um, new emerging HR professionals uh, feel more comfortable? Yeah, that's a great question. So I guess just speaking from my own um, 
position, not in my current role, but I, I guess in my prior role where I was bringing on a lot of new employees who weren't already at the company before we got sent home uh, to work remotely. So they had joined us uh, pr- after March and everything, all the onboarding and orientation and everything had been turned to remotely. So um, the main thing I did for our HR new hires and to send to my hiring managers for our non-HR new hires is kind of that like best manager ever check-in question sheet. Um, I've seen a few different variations out there from, you know, LinkedIn and other companies, but um, like Caitlin said, just really being intentional because it's really easy to like think you got someone up to speed and then like they're off and running. So really like setting yourself reminders, coming up with different questions to ask at like one, two, three weeks, um, just making that plan in general. Like, don't forget, like we still have to make an onboarding plan like they would if they did join us in person, but but it's also going to look different. So just taking that into account um, and just taking the time to like get to know them as well. So coming up with like fun icebreaker questions, still doing that virtual team lunch, um, something that we're doing at my current company, you know, is sending like that Grubhub gift card or, or something like that. And then jumping on that Friday team lunch to introduce them to everybody um, or just to get kind of more one-on-one scheduled video time with the boss. Um, those are a few things coming like to the top of my head, but just from like being in that HR and recruiting role, just having to remind myself, like I need to do extra with my managers um, to remind them as well as remind myself. So just being super, super intentional and uh, trying to get that set up and um, new new folks set up for success. Yeah, I think those are really great points and kind of tying into that, what really helped me was, um, first of all, I obviously, you know, got to meet with my boss, kind of go over um, what's expected of me and a little bit more about the culture. And then also being paired with um, the person who trained me for my role. Um, having that, you know, contact to really be able to go to with any quick questions or things you'd typically be able to easily ask. Um, and also, you know, one-on-ones or weekly meetings, especially now that we're at home and can't go down the hall and check in, um, being able to connect on whether it is one-on-one or a team-wide basis. Uh, to this day, I mean, we still have weekly and bi-weekly meetings just to kind of check in see how everyone's doing and also see if anyone can help anyone else. So I think that's really helpful. And once again, maybe something that could be overlooked. So, you know, if you are bringing on remote hires and watching this, I definitely recommend setting up those checks and balances to make sure that, you know, you're in constant contact with your overall team or even just, you know, specific employees. Do you find that there's been anything that hasn't really, that hasn't been helpful to you? I mean, not me personally, Um, I have nothing but positive things to say. I mean, it's been a really smooth transition for me. And I mean, you know, with the team being in such constant contact, it's been super helpful. I mean, would I love to be in the office and actually get to have face-to-face conversations, of course. But I mean, I think things have gone as smoothly as they can so far for me. What about you, Claire? Yeah, I was just thinking about what you mentioned before about like the Zoom and online etiquette. I would love to dive into that a little bit more because that's such a good point. Something, again, from my perspective, I didn't even think to share with my new hires. Like here are the different statuses maybe, you know, that people are on teams, you know, around here. It is acceptable to message someone if they're busy at other companies. Maybe it's a known thing that you don't message someone unless they're available. Um And same with like video too. I know in some companies, like they always ask you to have your video turned on. So you don't know if it's, you know, okay, kind of either way, depending on your schedule that day or whatnot. So that's a really good point. I I feel like maybe a lot of people aren't getting some, some support on. So yeah, I would love to dive into that more. What were your thoughts on that? I know you said you asked your dad, how'd you kind of get it figured out? (laughs) It was so funny. I've gotten better. It's been four months now. I've I've left him alone enough. But yeah, I mean, at first, you know, before when things were normal, um, and we were in the office, you know, I'm sure there were still video meetings. But now that it's all online based, really kind of adjusting to that, um, you know, kind of seeing everyone's home and 
I, I'm going to say invading their space because I feel like that's what it is sometimes when you are messaging them at certain times. So it was definitely a difficult transition um, to be able to go from, okay, this is normal human interaction to now we're just all messaging. But yeah, I think that uh, Zoom, uh, Teams, whatever you're using, etiquette has definitely been something I think most of us have gotten down by now. But, um, you know, at first, the, you know, people with kids or I have pets at home. So if you're on a call and all of a sudden you see a cat run across the screen, um, I know it felt very taboo almost at first, which is weird because, you know, it's kind of happening to all of us, but um, really adjusting to that working at home and home is also work aspect of things has definitely been challenging, but, you know, over the past few months, it's definitely gotten easier. Yeah. If you don't mind, Corey, can I jump in again? Go I ahead. Love, as much as you want. Else, yeah, I just love something else Caitlin just mentioned because I feel like I felt the same way where if my cat comes across, which she very might well do while we're recording this. Um, <laughs> at first, you know, I wasn't sure how the, you know, company might take that. Is that like allowed or not? So I think, again, from an HR director or leadership perspective, it's really important for us to model that or introduce our pets or at least let people know like you know if you need to turn your video off to handle something that's okay I think even just saying it so people don't have to worry or assume either way would, would help a lot too yeah and I think that I mean this is a good point that I I feel like that's a good that's a new part of this pandemic is zoom and virtual etiquette is something that people don't know and it's not something they teach in school either. So when you move into a new role, especially when it's the first one you've had, that's something that you have to learn on top of the normal etiquette you would learn when you're starting a job for the first time, a, a big kid job. So I, I will say the, the most interesting experience as far as for my experience with Zoom, which feels like it's 24-7 now, is, you know, is that... I find that it's okay to do later meetings, later talks with people later at night. And I've also found that it can be, it's almost sometimes hard to, to decide if you should be casual or if you should be dressed up or, it, you know, cause I've definitely had some zoom calls where I felt I should be a little bit more dressed up and then I get on and the other people are not. And then I just feel a little bit overdressed and I've had the opposite happen as well. And like I would never wear a denim jacket before the pandemic, but now it's, you know, it's completely okay. And before it was kind of weird to see people's homes and see their family or pets in the background. But now I think it's just kind of people are expecting it. They're, they're lurking, they're kind of looking to get to know that person behind the scenes and not just what they're like at work. But I think that's very difficult too, for someone who's new. I mean, just personally, like an example might be, I've, I've been on a meeting and saw like oh, someone's spouse walk behind them and they wave and I go, oh, hey, but you know, if you're new, you don't know if that's okay to do, or if it's, you should just act like you didn't see anyone. So I think it plays a big role in getting adjusted. And, and then I think when we go back in person, it's, it's going to make it a little difficult to know, well, what's the right etiquette when you're in person or you know, is it the same? I don't think it will be the same. I think it'll be very different. Um, have you found that that's difficult, Caitlin, to just kind of in comparison, like trying to compare what you would do over Zoom or say over Zoom versus what you would be, what you would say in a in-person situation since you really haven't had that in person truly yet. But do you do that? Do you find in your head that you're kind of trying to compare sometimes if that's something that's okay to say or do? when you're in the office or where? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, Claire kind of touched on it too, but just really adjusting to that, you know, what's comfortable, what's normal <laughs> and what's not at this point. Um, I mean, it's been so long now and I really think it comes down to culture though too. Um, you know, I'm not sure about other organizations, but thankfully, you know, that humor of picking your cat up and putting them on the screen or, you know, someone's kid or spouse saying hi, um, it is normal for us. Um, so, I mean, I'm thankful to really kind of feel comfortable in those meetings and I'm assuming it'll be the same back at work, but 
Um, I definitely think things have become more casual than they typically would be, whether it's, you know, the place I work at specifically or anywhere else. So I think that is a very interesting point of once we do go back into the office, you know, is that going to change culture permanently or are things going to kind of go back to the way that they were before? Yeah. I, and I'm interested, I don't know exactly when you graduated, but was it close enough to the pandemic where you kind of had a feeling that this would be your situation or did you graduate before all of the anything, any of this pandemic really started? So I graduated in May and I, I feel like that time period was when everything was still very heightened. And um, I mean, I worked for so long to get that graduation and the graduation was a YouTube video. Oh, um, so it was nice to be able to share it with my family, but um, you know, since it's been so long now, I feel like over time I've adjusted, but at first it was really disappointing. You know, it, it really was. And it was scary. You know, am, am I going to get a job? You know, where am I going to go from here? You know, I, I know my other classmates felt the same way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was much scarier and I was less positive at the time than I am now about all of the changes. So feels like forever ago. <laughs> I can't even imagine. I'm sure Claire can't either because when I graduated, this was not even on the radar. I mean, it was just, they taught you how to interview in person. They taught you how you, you know, how you would act, what you wear when you go to work. And, and I just can't even imagine what it would be like for this to happen. Like the last month or couple months that you're about before you're about to graduate. It kind of goes against everything you've learned up to that point because uh, all the in-person stuff is moot. Uh, but let's talk about the interview process because I think that it's really interesting, you know, what you might have been, what you might have learned in school as far as how to interview and same with Claire and what Claire's experienced as far as in-person interviews and now having to transition to learn how to do a virtual interview. So tell me about your experience, your virtual in interview experience. What would have been nice to know ahead of time? What did you learn that you're going to keep in your back of your head just for next time? Because I'm sure there's a lot of, lot of differences when you do an interview over Zoom. Claire, do you want to go first? Oh, sure. Yeah. So from, I guess, my perspective, doing a lot of interviewing, um, uh, in my role kind of already as a recruiter for the past few years. So, I mean, things definitely changed on that front that I had to adjust to and also adjust my kind of communication to my candidates as well. Cause they're used to, you know, doing a phone screen, you know, with me and then maybe a phone screen with the manager and then coming on site, you know, a couple times. So, um, I still started with my initial uh, phone screen, but then letting them know, you know, you're going to meet the manager on video, um, cause our managers knew that we were only going to bring final candidates on site instead of like two or three, um, you know, to keep, keep building safe, uh, due to COVID and everything. So they wanted to get started with the video interviews sooner so they could just start to get a read on body language and personality and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, just kind of changing our process and making sure we were communicating that effectively to try to alleviate any kind of stress on the candidate side. Um, and then we usually did a team um, interview over video as well. So again, only the final candidate, maybe of the three or four they spoke to over video would come in for an in-person meeting. So just getting that kind of changed internally, um, of course, was a little bit difficult. And then working with our managers to help them uh, just get used to doing video interviewing as well. Some of them hadn't before. So um, again, just being intentional about how that process is going to look at your manager's feedback, um, you know, communicate to them kind of on the do's and don'ts, be ready to answer any weird or first time questions that they might have about their videoing experience. So, um, so that's kind of my perspective, I guess, from, from the HR side of things, um, trying to help the candidates and managers. And then from my own interview process, joining Lighthouse. So I guess my process was a little bit different because I was very fortunate to know my current supervisor uh, prior in a non-COVID world. So we had gotten coffee, you know, a few times and had been connected kind of throughout the Buffalo community. But um, yeah, I mainly just spoke with him again over 
video and phone call and didn't meet any of the other team members in person before I was given my offer started. So, um, so yeah, it was definitely, again, a little bit, a little bit different, um, meeting more people once you start, um, maybe as opposed to in your, your interview process. Yeah, I, I have to go back and give a shameless plug to my alma mater, because in my junior year, um, we there was a strong focus on interviewing and preparing for interviewing. And at the time, I was like, oh, like okay, like another pre-recorded interview that I got to submit. Like, great. This is so awkward. I'm on camera. Little did I know, <laughs> a year later, I would be super thankful that I had a lot of that experience um, doing virtual interviews to practice because with my school being so big, it would be, obviously be very difficult um, to have in-person interviews. So I felt very prepared, thankfully, to all of the training, I'll say for lack of a better word, that I had um, from my classes at school. So for me, it was, I got to go, I'd say it was the most challenging, once again, kind of adjusting to oh my goodness, I need to be professional. Like these people are going to see my room. You know, what if my brother walks by? What if my cat walks by? Um, so that was a little nerve wracking at first. Um, but I had three rounds of virtual interviews. So, um, you know, like I said, I, I felt pretty comfortable. And the main thing too, for other young professionals or other people going through virtual interviews is still make sure that, you know, you are being yourself and, you know, we're this far along that we kind of touched on before that people are used to distractions in the background and, you know, life happening around you. Um, so just really trying to make yourself show through a camera is a little strange. Um, you know, body language and stuff is a little bit more difficult to read, but really do your best to, you know, be intentional with your interviews, answer questions, and really kind of show your personality and why you're interested in the role. And yeah. this might, oh, go ahead, Claire. Yeah, can I chime in again, Corey? Again, yes. just from the HR, um, like manager perspective, I guess, because Caitlin brings up such a good point. Like we should be very comfortable with the people we're interviewing, like being themselves, bringing their home with them because they can't control it. And, you know, I've heard a lot of the horror stories from other HR pros and recruiters saying that they're you know, hiring managers, like part of their feedback of the candidate was like, oh, like something was hanging on the wall in the background I didn't like, or somebody did walk by and, you know, they should have kept their door closed or whatever. And so I guess having those, um, you know, as you're prepping your managers and stuff for this transition to video interviewing to um, just kind of remind them of bringing in that like human just side of things, like these things are going to happen. We're focusing, you know, on on competencies and skills and, you know, getting to know the person, not like judging if life happens to go by in the background. So um, I totally agree with Kayla and that's how you should approach it. Just be yourself, roll with it. If something does happen, cause you're in your home, what are you going to do? And then also our job too, as, as interviewers and, and HR partners, like prepping our teams to, um, to have conversations about, about that, that that's not something we're going to be dinging somebody for on their interview. Right. And I think that also it, it, it can be a good opportunity if you kind of, if you play it the right way. I mean, it's, I don't think there's anything wrong with a candidate that's interviewing saying, oh, just in case, so, you know, my cat might run across my computer. It's, it's a good way to start conversation also, and to kind of let that person into you and get to know you and make it a little bit more relaxed. I feel like if you just you know, can find the right way to introduce your atmosphere. And like, honestly, uh, the it was about two weeks ago, I was doing a Zoom and, and a bird flew across the room that had gotten inside because it was trying to escape the cold. And so now it's just like my joke when I get on Zooms with that person, I'm like, oh, well, if a bird flies across again, you know, haha, it could happen, but don't worry about it. But I, I just think that that should be a common practice that people try to take on is to introduce your atmosphere so that it doesn't seem like you're not aware of what could be a distraction or what could be in your background or. Yeah, know. I love that. I totally agree with that. And then again, I think if you're someone who's 
interviewing, being more intentional as well about setting the stage and the expectations for the interview too. Cause I'm guilty of it too. I'll just jump on with a candidate and be like, Hey, how are you? Like, here's the job I wanted to tell you about. And remembering like, you know, here's how much time we have together. You know, I'm going to ask you some questions about this, then you can, you know, then we'll go over something else. Or, you know, if something does happen, you know, that you need to attend to or whatever, just let me know. That's not a problem. I know things come up. So you're right. Just kind of setting that expectation from the other side as well, so that your candidate can be more of themselves when they're interviewing, because that alleviates some of that stress. Yeah, I think that's a really good kind of pro tip to Corey of what you said. Um, I think that's a great conversation starter because I know for everyone, you know, the first few minutes of an interview can be awkward if you're waiting for more people to join or something. I think during one of mine, one of my neighbors was having construction done on the roof. So that was one of the first things I said. And then it kind of tied into more of an open conversation. So, I mean, I think that's a great way to start the interview off. And then I feel like it also kind of can show you a little bit of what the culture is like, you know, if they are kind of laid back and fun with it, I guess, um, which my interviewers were. But um, I think it's a good sign that, you know, you can be comfortable talking to who you're with and really kind of breaking the ice for the interview. You're exactly right. Like when you mentioned that there's construction, the response you received is initially what's going to tell you what their culture is like and what that manager's personality is. And, you know, if they are understanding or they're not understanding of people's home life situations. But I, I think that that was a, I mean, I'm glad you did that. I think that's a great way to start. And it also, I think, avoids some of the distraction that someone might have if they are trying to ignore the construction in the background and act as if, you know, it's not happening or, or muting themselves to try and hide it. And then they're not able to focus on the actual interview. Um, moving a little bit, it was still on the interview topic, but Caitlin, I'm curious when you were getting ready for your virtual interview, I mean, what are, you know, take us back to how you were taught to do those recordings versus, you know, what was it like to get ready for an actual virtual interview? What do you wear? Did you wear the same thing you'd wear to an in-person? Did you feel like that was too much? Like how, what went through your head when you're getting ready? Yeah, definitely. I would say it's a little bit easier. I feel like one of the more nerve wracking things of in-person interviews is, you know, figuring out where you're going, parking, making sure you're going to the right door. So being able to set yourself up at home in a room, let everyone know, hey, I'm going on an interview. Um, Hope you was, don't get lost on your way to the Zoom interview. Yeah. That's really a big problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, making sure the Zoom link works ahead of time. I'm guilty. I'm one of those people that like, if I'm not on five minutes early, I'm nervous. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I still wore, um, you know, like my suit. Did I maybe have pajama bottoms on? I don't know. You know, we'll, we'll keep that classified. <laughs> um, but um, I'd say very similar preparation. You know, it, it still is an interview. And I think that's one of the tricky things that maybe some people aren't as prepared for of, oh, you know, it's just a Zoom call and you may not prepare as much. Like, you know, I'll have my notes right here. I'll be fine. Um, so still treating it like it is an interview just without the however long commute would be. But um, like I said, though, before, you know, making sure that you have prepared questions, you know, making sure it's a company that you want to work for and um, really making sure that culture aligns, especially I feel like now more than ever with um, what your interests are. Um, with the video recordings, it was awkward because there wasn't anyone talking back to you. I think it was a robot of some form that <laughs> would just say a question. So honestly, I feel like it prepared me a little bit less because it was less personable, but um, getting comfortable in front of the camera was definitely helpful as well. So I did feel more prepared uh, for the interviews that I had for Moog. That's good. It kind of sounds like then it might be helpful for people who are emerging into HR as, you know, new, even just doing more Zoom calls, even if they're casual would be helpful because I didn't think about that, but you're right. Seeing yourself in the cameras in itself can be a little awkward at first too. 
Claire, what do you, from an HR manager perspective, I mean, what do you expect to see when you're interviewing someone virtually? Like, what do you expect to see them wearing or what were your expectations as far as their surroundings or et cetera? Yeah, that's a really great question. I still think, um, you know, dressing for the position you're interviewing for is fine. So um, I've had a couple people come to interviews with um, suits and ties that I was a little surprised by actually, like I actually would have been fine if it was just a polo shirt or a collared shirt. Um, but I always appreciate when people are, um, you know, are overdressed rather than underdressed. But um, yeah, if you're, I've had friends ha that have had to do video interviews for, um, more kind of like hands-on positions as well before visiting like the manufacturing site or the, or the construction site. And, um, you know, they just wore kind of what they would wear to work, just like a clean shirt. Um, and it was fine. So, um, I mean, if you can, I guess like ask around or see, um, you know, if anyone else has advice on interviewing, if you're like new to it over video, but typically I think just based on the type of company and the type of work, just use your best judgment and always err on the side of being a little bit overdressed. Um, and then what I expect for backgrounds, I guess that's a good one. I guess I'm usually just surprised every time someone gets on video. I don't think I'm ever quite sure what to expect because it's different every time. Um, so, I mean, I've never, I've never been in a situation where it's really been that um, that bad. Like people have either had their digital like zoom background on, so you can't even really tell where they are anyways. Um, or it looks like kind of a home office situation, at least for the roles that I've interviewed for. So, um, so it hasn't been anything too crazy, but of course, if you can like limit any background noise and give that, um, you know, upfront, uh, disclaimer, if you will, I guess that if, you know, there might be kids or other background noise at some point. Do you, um, do you pay attention to lighting or how they might be sitting? Like I know that I've seen on some Zooms, there could be people sitting like this far back. <laughs> I mean, does that something that you feel like affects the interview uh, from both your perspectives? Yeah, personally, no. Um, again, maybe I've just, in the world I interview for, maybe it just hasn't been, um, there hasn't been anything where I've been like, you know, I can't see you or can you change your lighting like a little bit? I haven't had to do that. Um, so I don't know. And most people have been, you know, I guess visible or yeah, um, positioned toward their cameras. So well, that's good. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Caitlin? Yeah. I mean, we were always told like in the classes that I took in school, make sure your lighting is good if it's a video interview. So I've you know, to the best that you can. Um, I personally haven't seen anything to your point, Claire, that's been shocking, I guess. I mean, I know, you know, lighting and posture and things like that are important, but, um, you know, I feel like it is difficult because for in-person interviews, you know, make sure your body language is correct and, you know, try and sit up straight. So um, trying to convey that via a video can be a little challenging, I guess, but, um, you know, just, I'd say maybe be yourself and, um, comfortable, but not too comfortable. <laughs> yeah, that's really good advice. And I just thought of something else to add. Um, the only thing I've come across now, I just remembered this is someone took the, um, video interview on their phone and kind of gave me a tour of the parking lot that they were like walking around. Um, <laughs> That's the only thing that was a little bit like I've interviewed plenty of people who were sitting in their cars and that's totally fine. But I guess, so my main advice, I guess, would be at least be stationary somewhere. Um, otherwise it can be a little distracting, but other than that, yeah, nothing was too crazy. I usually anticipate, um, people being in their cars or being somewhere in their house. So it's not a big deal. Well, and also if they're not stationary, it doesn't really look like they dedicated the time to the interview and, and it didn't seem as important to them as it was to you. So I, I hope people actually sit still for their future interviews. Let's talk about your first day. I mean, that normal first day is you go into the office, you meet everyone, you get, you get some training, but like, what was your first day like starting virtual? I mean, how did you meet people? Did you meet new people on your first day or did you just get straight to work? I 
so my first day, like I said, I went to the office, um, picked up my laptop, all that fun stuff and did orientation. But I'd say my first official day, um, I felt very welcomed. I, like I said, I was very fortunate to, I think it lined up to with one of the talent acquisition team biweekly meetings. So I was right away introduced to the whole team. Um, so it took off that, I guess, awkward edge that we talked about before of, you know, can I reach out? Should I say hi? Um, so I was introduced to everyone and, um, I went through some pretty extensive training I'd say. Um, but like I said, having that person who was training me as a connection right away, it was super helpful. And, you know, having your work best friend right off the bat, uh, makes things a lot more fun too. So, um, yeah, really having that communication and having everyone reach out and welcome me, um, made me feel very comfortable and I'll say at home. So, it was really nice and made adjusting much more easy than I thought it would be. Yeah, no, it's such a great experience. I was going to share from my first day. So I went into the office as well, but like I said, there were only a couple other people there. Um, so I was really grateful that my boss created that day one schedule for me. And he actually sent it to me like a couple days before I started. So I knew my whole first day I would have um, different meetings and introductions with people, even though it would be over phone or video. And I know it's such a small thing, but I've started so many jobs where there's nothing for you on your first day. And I don't know if they just think because you're HR, like you'll just figure it out or whatever, or it might be your job to create that for the future new hires that are starting. Um, but that was such a nice piece to at least have meeting invites already set up. So I didn't feel as much of that bother when I got on the call. They knew somebody was going to be starting. Everyone was ready to kind of introduce themselves. And then day two and forward from there, I felt a little bit better about reaching out to those folks I'd seen already. That's a good idea. That's good. Um, what about as far as once you've gotten started with these roles, I mean, what type of skills have and traits do you feel like have made you successful in this new role? in virtual world, especially like Caitlin, this is your first, you know, big kid job. I mean, what, what do you feel has made you successful in also um, dealing with this pandemic at the same time versus what you would have been like before? This is such an HR cliche answer, but organization. Oh, like that is, that is the key to everything HR related, especially working from home. Uh, everything's color coordinated. Everything has its own folder. Um, that definitely makes things a lot easier uh, from, you know, a production standpoint, I guess. But um, I'm fortunate to be very outgoing just as a person. So, um, you know, I didn't have as big of an issue as if I saw someone or, you know, someone else was CC'd on an email with me reaching out and saying, hey, you know, I knew, what's your name? Like, nice to meet you. Um, but I mean, even if you are more so on the shy side, especially now that it's through chat, um, really just trying to communicate and introduce yourself as much as possible early on, I'd say is very helpful. It helps me and I'm sure it would help others because, you know, it's awkward if just now I started reaching out like, hey, I see we've been CC'd on the same email for the last four months. Nice to meet you. Um, but yeah, really staying organized um, as much as you can. Um, trying to take notes was another really good one to make sure I um, like have an SOP for everything in case I need to reference it. And um, just trying to learn as much as possible. I feel like especially in that first month or so, um, don't be afraid to ask questions. You know, if you don't know something, figure it out sooner rather than later. Um, cause that, that's super important. Cause there's so many things that, oh, I've never seen this before. I'll ask this person. And now I know how to handle it going forward. Yeah. And I'll add to that. Some things that have helped me, um, of course, on the organization side, I just learned about Trello like a month ago. So whatever tool it might be for you, Notion, even if it's just Microsoft Outlook, like find something that works for you. I also um, took a LinkedIn learning course on Outlook. I thought I was really good at Outlook, but there are so many different ways you can tag and color code and things to Caitlin's point. So um, 
just any, any other little like trainings or, or software platforms that you want to look in, into have been helpful. And also going back to what we said, I guess, about setting expectations um, when you're joining a new company remotely, I found myself saying to my colleagues that I was on video with when we started a call, like, hey, just so you know, I'm a OneNote user. So I'm going to be typing like, you know, I, or I might mute myself periodically if I feel my clacking is getting a little much or whatever. And they're just like, oh yeah, okay, that's fine. And again, it was better to just start it off that way than be worried about it or try to handwrite notes when I knew that wasn't going to work for me. So yeah, find your method that kind of works for you. And then I guess just kind of check in with your your team and, and let them know that's how it's going to work for you. I know, Claire, you worked with a lot of uh, young professionals, right? Before the pandemic and you used to do some speaking, right? In, the, for the, in that area. So what did you find were some of the toughest struggles for them in starting their career? Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I always got a lot of questions about uh, just what it's like to be in the field. And of course, just like networking and, you know, where should I go for professional development and things like that. So I think now in this virtual world, even more, I always, um, like to, to speak with the students about making sure they have their, you know, LinkedIn and Twitter accounts set up, um, you know, how to send a connection request, um, check out any, you know, local networking groups where you can get some of that practice interacting with pros on Zoom, maybe in a more informal setting just to get your confidence up, used to kind of conveying your personality and voice on video. So if you do have to interview or go into a more formal meeting, it's a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, mainly just working through how to of establish yourself in the space so now that we're virtual too it's just yeah getting more comfortable with like showing up online so the most practice you can get um putting your your voice out there whether it's text on on a linkedin post or through video networking um just getting in kind of as much practice kind of to caitlin's point so you just feel a little bit more comfortable and confident launching into that professional position yeah, Claire has been my superhero of networking advice. <laughs> uh, I was involved in uh, UB's chapter of Sherm, and we originally met when she came in to give a presentation about the benefits of using LinkedIn. And at the time, you know, I had it, I used it, um, but not to its full advantage, I'd say. So um, I feel like people really underestimate just how great LinkedIn can be. Um, and especially as a young professional too, you know, now's the time that you can really be a sponge of knowledge, I'll say, um, you know, cause if right now I started reaching out to people like, Hey, I want to learn more about your job. I feel like it would be a little weird, but you know, when you're still in school, take that time to, you know, research people in the field or industry that you want to be in and reach out to them, you know, Hey, how did you get into this role? you know, don't go and ask for a job or things like that. <laughs> so when I say reach out, I mean, reach out to really learn because, you know, I, I know it's a cliche saying, but it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. So really having those connections to whatever field or industry you want to be in is super helpful when you are getting started in your career or if you are transitioning in careers too. You're absolutely right. It is all about who you know, because I, I can just say from my experience, um, since I do employee benefits, um, like Aflac employee benefits day to day, I work with a lot of HR professionals and I could tell you the first person that I, you know, they would reach out to if they were looking to move during this pandemic or maybe the business closed was me because I have the connections with all these other places that are, they could be hiring. And I'm the first one to know because if someone leaves, they, they call me about their Affleck. So it is, it's all about who you know. And I think that people need to have more open minds when it comes to networking. I, I think it's good to network with people outside of your industry because like, let's look at that situation. If you only network with people that are in HR, that wouldn't have been as helpful in that situation because you know, one person who's in HR, that's not helpful to you if they're not leaving you know, and, and you're looking for that position. So I do think it's important to keep an open mind and know that it might be good to network with people who are in um, insurance or who are in like construction, or they could be in real estate. You don't know who they might know. 
is, is my point. It doesn't matter what industry they're in. They could have a really good connection for you, even if it's their like aunt or their, or maybe they own a company and they are hiring. You don't ever know who, what could come from it. But I do think that that seems to be a common misconception with a lot of young um, professionals that I do meet is that, oh, I should only connect with people that are in my industry, like HR. And I have met a, quite a few um, young professionals in HR, and that is the first thought, and it makes sense. But I, I think that it's important to know that you can still find benefit from others in other industries. Do you find, I'm so interested to hear about your LinkedIn experience before you even graduated, because there was no LinkedIn when I was in school. So if there had been, I think that it would have, I would have felt a little bit more at ease as far as finding a job opportunity, because you really feel looking back, like I felt like I was blind before LinkedIn, because you just, you kind of see the job opportunities that you see in your area and the, in the companies, you know, of there, there wasn't a ton of online um, outlets to find those. So, I mean, as, Caitlin, do you find that you have some people that you went to school with that found it a struggle to network or what are your suggestions for others that may not have done as well as you? I mean, I think you did a great job networking. You've been very successful so far. You got a great job opportunity, but I know that can't be the case for everyone. So what do you, do you have any suggestions for them? Yeah, of course. I mean, I mentioned it before, but since I am in HR, I'm the HR friend. So whether it's resumes or cover letters or all that fun stuff, um, I'm the point of contact. And I mean, Claire stressed it to me early on. So I try and stress it to, you know, people I went to school with and my friends of making those intentional connections. I'm going to name drop Steve Brown too. Um, he's like a superhero in the HR world. Um, he, I listened in on a presentation of his the one time about making intentional connections because it's so easy to go on LinkedIn and just fire off a hundred requests to people who have jobs that you want. But, you know, it can be scary, especially if, you know, you're not as comfortable with reaching out and you're not as comfortable, you know, engaging in those conversations, but really taking the time to view people's profile and make sure that their interests align with yours, or to your point, if they don't at all, finding something in common to reach out about, whether it's the same school, you know, they have, they like superheroes on their page. Um, just really kind of something to get your foot in the door because networking is crucial. I mean, you know, what you learn in school is obviously very important, but I would just definitely say, even if it scares you, give it a try. I, I can't imagine any professional out there that's gonna tell you to go away or leave me alone if you reach out to them. And if so, that's not someone you wanna connect with anyways. So that's true. yeah, just really taking that time to make those intentional connections and following up with them, you know, whether it is about a job or how their family's doing or, you know, how's the project that you talked about going on at work. Um, just really keeping that in mind because, I mean, like I said with Claire, here we are now, you know, those connections over time are super important for overall development and career development too. And uh, you bring up a good point as far as, you know, mentioning that you went to the same school. I don't know if Claire's had this experience on LinkedIn as well, but I find, and I think that, you know, I, for anyone that is just leaving college or still in college, you know, even if it feels like you see someone on LinkedIn, they haven't been in college in decades, it doesn't mean that that's irrelevant to them. I mean, I still think it's it's a good intro to say, hey, we went to the same school because it gives you that connection. And and I don't think people never forget where they went to school and they always usually are happy to meet someone else, whether they are 20 years older than you or the same age as you. That's a good point. That's a good way to find a connection with someone who may not be in your industry. Claire, do you ever find that you use that as a, you know, a, a similar connection with someone on LinkedIn? Absolutely. So I still consider myself an, an HRYP young professional. <laughs> um, maybe I'm going to be aging out of that soon, but I'm in denial. No. Um, so yeah, I, I still approach it the same way for sure. I'll definitely look for, for people with the same, um, alma mater or who are in a role that I might aspire to be in someday. And I'll send them a connection request note that I'd love to, you know, follow their content or 
um, just get connected. I saw, you know, you're have, have been in the field of HR for 20 years or whatever it might be, or we both went to UV. Um, and you're in your right, Kayla, no one's ever responded like, no, thank you. <laughs> Sometimes they won't get back to me maybe for a while, but um, it's never really been a negative or or rude response. And you're right, Corey. I think people for the most part are very like proud of where they went to school and they remember it. So they're kind of happy to connect with others as well. I like but I, I use that approach too, to still grow my network, to make sure I'm learning um, from those that are ahead of me as well. Do you have some suggestions as far as groups that people can join or networking opportunities, like more specifically that you can suggest to YP for young professionals? I mean, what are some groups that both of you have, have participated in, in this virtual world? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Caitlin's probably thinking of the same one I am right off the bat, but, um, definitely getting on Twitter again, I didn't join Twitter until like 2017 and I was already in the professional working world before that. And I just assumed HR people like didn't really use Twitter. I just didn't know about it. So um, yeah, there's some great communities on there, you know, at hashtag HR community, hashtag HR social hour, you know, Twitter chats, podcasts, things like that. Um, LinkedIn groups, I'll say I'm not like super um, engaged with. So I'll mainly just connect with um, like the people that I meet on Twitter or my alma mater, or people I've met at conferences or whatnot, and just learn and network with like their connections as well. Um, and then of course, you know, do a plug for your, you know, your local SHRM chapter. So if there is a, some sort of professional affiliation uh, group, uh, definitely get hooked up with them. Usually there's a membership director or at least kind of a point of contact that can welcome you in or get you intro to somebody or send you that link for that next upcoming event. Um, so there's usually some sort of kind of warm welcome. So don't be too kind of scared about reaching out to them. Yeah, you you stole you stole the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely Twitter. To Claire's point, it was shocking to me of, you know, oh, it's HR. Like, why why are we tweeting memes at each other? <laughs> but um, I think that was a great way to kind of meet people, not in the local HR area. Um, you know, all across the world, there were people that were reaching out. <laughs> I noticed it. I noticed it. I was going to bring it up at one point. <laughs> I saw the tail. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, um, you know, just to kind of meet everyone all over the world is really exciting. And um, Claire also put me on to HR Twitter. So um, just having people from across, across the globe wanting to help me and saying, hey, you know, reach out if I can give you any pointers or advice. Um, I would also say local HR chapters and school chapters, um, like I know UB has one, um, but even just, you know, a simple Google search of, you know, networking events near me, because um, there's so many, uh, you know, obviously HR focused, but just business in general. I just attended a virtual uh, local one of women in business the other day, and it was really awesome to be able to connect with people from all different types of industries, but um, really just kind of network and empower each other. So especially now with things being virtual, they're usually free or like heavily discounted. So um, I, I honestly say it's easier now than ever to be able to network. And especially, and, you know, even if you aren't very comfortable with, um, you know, you're not super outgoing or you are a little bit more shy, you're able to kind of make those connections from the comfort of your own home or even just listen in if you want to have your camera off or something. So, um, I mean, there's so many opportunities to really kind of connect with people in your local area, no matter what industry they're in. And the last thing I want to ask you or ask you, which I think is a really interest. I've just been waiting till the end, but I mean, why did you choose HR? And is that is that an, when you were getting close to graduation, when this whole pandemic started, did, was there a part of you that reconsidered or thought, is this really what I want to do because things are changing so much? So, you know, tell us how you decided. And if you, if you got a little nervous about it, when we got into this pandemic. Claire's smiling because I've told her this story like a hundred times, but so <laughs> I'm actually um, a rare HR individual. I knew I wanted to do HR 
like basically from the womb. <laughs> um, my mom's in HR. So growing up, kind of having those conversations at the dinner table and, you know, hearing stories of, you'll never believe this crazy thing that happened at work. Um, so over time, I'm like, wow, that's, that sounds really fun. And then in high school, I got involved um, in DECA, which is like a business role play club for the field of HR. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm interested. Let's see what this is about. And I ended up placing um, in states and regional, I think it was like second or fourth, humble brag. Um, But from there, yeah, it was, it was really exciting, really cool to say, you know, maybe I, maybe I can do this. Um, And then like Claire showed me and what we've been talking about um, in college, I would reach out to local professionals in the area um, and just say, you know, hey, like, how do you get into the role? Because I wasn't sure exactly what function I wanted to be in yet. But um, so I really never got nervous. You know, I have an in-house mentor for HR, which is nice. But I feel like especially with the pandemic, Claire, I don't know if you've noticed this too, but I feel like HR is kind of starting to really get the credit that it deserves from everything that, you know, that's been done from a legal standpoint and, you know, with recruiting efforts, all the different functions. So I, I wouldn't say I was nervous. I'd say I was more so excited because I feel like HR is really getting more of a place at the table now. And it's really kind of able to foster that change in a lot of companies. So um, thankfully there were a decent amount of opportunities over time, not right away, it was scary at first job hunting, um, but over time, just really kind of having the opportunity to take what I've grown up knowing about and really kind of be in, in the field now myself is like unbelievable. It's, it's really exciting and um, I thankfully have never doubted it and I'm super excited to keep growing into the role. Good. Claire, how did you decide on HR? I have kind of a similar story too. Um, Yeah, not, I guess not quite so similar, but still similar. Um, Was it in the womb? Like Caitlin? (laughs) I was, I would not say in the womb. I really loved that though. That was, that was good. (laughs) It was. Um, Yeah. I mean, my parents were in management consulting, so they did a lot more on um, like team building and organizational development and change management type of stuff. Um, So, I mean, growing up though, I either wanted to be a veterinarian or a sports broadcaster. I don't know where I lost that along the way. Um, But yeah, just decided to go, go to business school, Um, you know, was undecided, you know, at first for the first couple of years, but um, I got my first internship in my sophomore year of college in recruiting. So I just got lucky that that's where I started off because I loved it. And my first actual like full-time HR job was in payroll and benefits. And I always like tell everyone I speak to as like a joke, I lasted like six months, literally. So it was so different from my recruiting role where it was so much more reporting focused and more time um, just with myself and in my head than interacting with people, which was really challenging for me. So um, I was lucky, I guess, I've gotten that internship and been able to be like, oh, this is what I don't like. I need to go back go back to that. So luckily I had a good experience with it. Um, but yeah, I've, I've worked in all aspects of HR and I've come back to recruitment and like every other role. So now I think I'm good to stay here <laughs> for a while. Yeah. That's an interesting point. There are so many different parts of HR and they're also different from each other. I mean, it did, is that really a difficult decision or is that even a decision that you find some people try to make when they're still in school? Or do you kind of get out there and and then decide, like when you're trying to be a surgeon? I feel like you really need to kind of feel out the different functions or at least have an internship or a mentor of some form um, to kind of learn about them because they are so different. I mean, I only really, I was in a part-time generalist role previously, but um, I have the most experience in talent acquisition now, but um, to cl- I don't think I would ever be good in payroll. I've had a little bit of experience and I'm not a fan, um, <laughs> but you know, to each his own. Um, but I, I feel like it is almost on like surgeon level, unless you're in a generalist role and can do a little bit of everything. I think you need to kind of experience the different functions before you pick a specialty or an area of interest. What do you think, Claire? 
Yeah, I would agree. I would say when I was in school, there was really no talk of the different areas of HR you could go into. It was just HR. So I remember when I graduated, I was like, okay, I'm just trying to find like an HR assistant job or a coordinator job to just like learn what HR is. And then, yeah, you can kind of feel out from there, like what those different responsibilities are and what really align with your strengths and interests. So um, yeah, I don't think you have to have it have it figured out ahead of time. But I think now colleges are doing a better job from the students I've spoken to of at least um, explaining it maybe a little bit better that there are so many different aspects between HR tech and payroll and compensation and recruitment that, you know, you don't have to be maybe that person who loves people or I'm a people person. So I'm going to go into HR. Like, I think people are getting a little bit more of a well-rounded view now on like, if you have different skills and strengths or interests, like there's likely a spot you know, an HR for you. That could be a whole other topic, I feel like, but. <laughs> Good, I was going to say, that could be. I, I think this was great. And I think it really shined the light on how important our young professionals are as well and making them feel comfortable and making sure they're successful because they are the future of every company and every HR department in every company in the country. So I, I do think sometimes that gets overlooked and I, I think it's very important to remind yourself that. So I'm really glad too, Caitlin, you've had such a good experience and I really hope this kind of helps to show what can create a good experience from yours and Claire's suggestions and ex own personal experiences for others. Uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Corey. Thank you.